Welcome to the Relational Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Thompson, joined by my co-host, Austin Hill. Today, we're in part four in our conversation. We hope you enjoy. Because I'm sure a lot of folks listening, even at the refuge um, where, where we work, Austin, have have experienced a good bit of violence and, and maybe have, have possibly acted out a good bit of violence as well on themselves and others. And the answer isn't to go deeper into shame. Oh man. Yeah. And I am a worthless piece of crap. That's, that's not going to end anywhere good. Yeah. Cause, cause going into shame and in shame and self-loathing isn't in a form. Like if, if you were to say the things like when you're in that mindset, think about it this way and the things that you say internally to yourself, imagine saying those to someone you care deeply about, like that would, in, in a way, it is a, it is a form of violence towards yourself. Yeah. Toxic shame is a form of violence to yourself. Like real shame, I think is there to man, ah, I, you know, I missed the mark there. Like I need to try better. I needed, I need to, you know, that, that some, that can be healthy. I mean, there should be a sense of, ah, man, I wasn't good at that. Like that can be healthy when it draws us to go towards the healthy behavior, but toxic shame is, is like what you're describing. It, it is violent. Toxic shame is like, I'm a worthless piece of crap because I did that. And I, I'm never going to do anything good. Like those kinds of thoughts that people tell themselves that we tell ourselves often are violent. And, and that that's not helpful. Yeah. A good, a good de- definer between like, cause we talk a lot about shame and how it's not healthy. But I think what we're talking, when we say it's unhealthy, we're talking about toxic shame. So toxic shame sucks the hope. It's hopeless. There's hopelessness within toxic shame. That's what that's. And then shame is how, what can I learn? There's a, there is a desire to learn from it. So if you're wondering, am I, am, am I experiencing shame or toxic shame? And when we're talking about the, sh- the shame that's unhealthy, we are talking about toxic shame. And when you're in that place, you feel hopeless. Like there's, this is who I am always and forever until the end of time. There's no, there's no getting out of this. Shame is I am embarrassed and upset, sad, hurt that I did that. And I want to improve. What can I learn from that? How can I get better? That's a good shame. We're 26 minutes in. Why don't we, we, I mean, I could talk about this for a while cause there's so much to talk about, but maybe it might help anyone listening to just really define, you know, rich plus, um, I don't know where he got this list, but, but in our, I know in our talk, um, he described nine types of violence. Would it be helpful right now just to define what these might look, what these can look like? And then, you know, if, if we have time, there's a couple other places we could go. Um, the first on this list is what is what we call domestic violence right? And domestic violence, um, I wrote from the notes, is just dominance and control of one person over another um, and a sense of a person's individuality is not respected. Um, There's a lot more that could be said there, but just this idea, and this is, you're probably going to notice this is a theme, right? A lot of it has to do with control and power. Um. But domestic violence, the word that stands out to me in that definition, Austin, is dominance. 
just that someone is dominating and attempting to dominate the other. Yeah, which we talk about a lot where if someone is trying to control you, like you can't like we we say this, like you can't control what other people do. But if someone resorts to physically harming and to violence to try to control somebody else, like that is a huge boundary crossed, which is why we have laws against it. Because we should. And so, yeah. And so people typically think of domestic violence as just when it when it rises to the point of physical. But looking at this definition, that's not where the domestic violence starts. The domestic violence starts when there becomes a pattern or even just increased instances of, do- of, of the desire to dominate and control one or the other. Um, that, that behavior in and of itself is violent. Would you agree? I, I agree. And I also wonder, like, the, just kind of popped in my head, the person that, um, the person that inflicts domestic violence is often so out of control. Like they have, they're in their desire to control. They have lost all control of themselves. The one thing that they actually should control. They just like, they have no control anymore of anything where they, they've like, they feel hopeless in that. And in, in, in like, because they don't have any self-control, they try to control the people around them. Yeah. And so you're, man, that is such a good point. There's just a, there is, there is just this need to control. I've just, I'm thinking of examples that I'm, I'm currently witnessing around me, but it seems like this whole domestic violence plays out either in intense aggression and possibly rage to, to suicide. Like, like I'm helpless and ho- and hopeless in an effort to control the other. So like, for example, you see a spouse who's incredibly aggressive to get their way to dominate. But then the moment the other spouse says, I'm done with this, that, that dominating spouse will then say, I'm just going to kill myself. <laughs> yeah. And they're doing that in an effort that the person doesn't leave, right? It's, it's a, it's a power move, right? And I'm not sitting here saying we should ever be flippant when somebody uses suicide, but in this instance, it can be used as a way to, to, to remain in control. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Relational Recovery Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with part five in our conversation. We'll see you then.